Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. All right, back into the usual grind. Off-season episode number 61? No, that's not right. 56? Doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Truly does not matter. Although, uh... I did kind of like keeping track. I'll count it up at some point during today's show while in the middle of saying something else. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. It's Monday, June the 27th. The final week of June will be July by the end of it. Uh, I'm your host, Dan Vespers. Thank you, as always. Say it every damn episode in the offseason. Thank you, guys, for listening. It is... It's actually straight bonkers. We are... We're on pace... Like, if you're comparing June over June, or last year, I guess it would be comparing June over July where the finals ended, we're already something like 50, more than 50% beyond where we were last year at this point. But today, tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, all still in June. That's crazy. The growth year over year, we could have like a 70 to 80% growth number year over year, which I didn't think was possible now that the show is actually like kind of medium size but you guys are incredible still listening all off season long i love it you guys are degenerates i adore you for it i adore you i'm at dan Bespris on twitter if you want to give me a follow uh you probably already have and this is a sports ethos presentation SportsEthos.com, the website, Ethos Fantasy BK, Ethos Fantasy FB, Ethos Fantasy BB. Those are our three sports. Continue to please check them out. I ask you humbly to please check them out. As we pivot back into team breakdowns today, although we'd be remiss if I didn't mention a couple of things that happened officially, either on trade deadline, trade deadline, draft Thursday, or over the weekend. Uh, most interesting things that happened on draft day were the draft picks, but the second most interesting thing that happened was that D'Anthony Melton got traded to the 76ers, where he might actually get to play a little bit. I still don't think that I would draft him. I don't think you're going to need to use a draft pick on him because nothing is guaranteed. They've got all these other guys that kind of fit in that same general spot alongside the star players. Because, you know, they still got James Harden. They still got Joel Embiid. Tobias Harris is still going to have a large role on that team. Tyrese Maxey is still going to have a large role on that team. So now you're looking at, like, Shake Milton, DeAnthony Melton, Matisse Thibel. These are guys that are all going to be kind of fighting for who's the most effective offensive player who can also play defense. Melton will be in the mix on that. And if the Sixers do manage to unload, say, Thibel, we know that they've been trying to move him. I don't know if that, that got easier or harder after the deadline or after the, the draft, because that's not really my area of expertise. But that would at least then, you know, maybe they bring in a backup, what? Or maybe they move Shake Milton. I don't know. Either way, it would be nice if the, if the path was a little bit clearer. It's not clear enough in my estimation right now. Other note, uh, Kemba Walker got moved. Knicks traded him. Not that he was playing there anyway. He's on the Pistons now for the moment. Um, he's expected to be bought out. If he's not, he'll probably have that 
that Corey Joseph role out there. If he is bought out, just keep an eye on it. Can't imagine he goes somewhere where he plays enough or has enough rope to go do things. I mean, he'll probably end up as a backup on a contender. That's what players of declining ability who still have something left in the tank, that's typically where they go. So not much from that end. But the big news of the morning here is that the Kyrie rumors are going nuts. If it was a little small bushfire, well, that's not a good term to use because it was a big bushfire name of it down uh, in Australia. But if we're talking about like, like a plant, like let's say your house plant caught on fire and, you know, there's enough smoke to like make you turn on the, the vent over your oven, over your stove. If that's what we had last week when it was like, oh, Irving and the Nets, they're not seeing eye to eye right now. Well, as of today, it is now officially a forest fire. This is a this is cooking. Uh, there have been reports. I mean, we heard from Shams late last week that uh, the Nets and Kyrie were almost like done negotiating, that it seems like it's almost irreparable. And that seemed like maybe a little bit of posturing because nothing is fully irreparable. But now we're seeing today that Irving is asked for permission to help work on sign and trade deals so that he can get his extension and go somewhere else. We've heard that the Nets are willing to explore trading both Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. We've also heard that the teams interested in Kyrie Irving are very few because his preferred destinations, Kyrie's listed six teams where he's willing to go, which I'm sure I'm going to miss one here, but it's uh, Lakers, Clippers, the two LA teams, the Knicks, the Sixers, so two big market East Coast teams. Then it's a Mavs, and I know I'm forgetting somebody, and for that I do apologize. But, oh, it's the Heat, I think was the other one. But you can find a pretty good reason to wipe out almost all of those destinations. He ain't going to the Sixers. Sorry, it's not going to happen. He and James Harden, that's pretty much why Harden asked out of Brooklyn. No, he ain't going to the Heat, even though they probably would have the best package to send back because you put that dude on a team with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and Eric Spolstra and he walks out to do God knows what during basketball hours, they would never invite him back. You think Miami would bend over backwards the way that Brooklyn did to try to make it through this season? Nah, man, they just sent that dude home, told him don't come back. You can't take what's effectively a flu shot for your team? Don't come back. That's what the Heat would have done. I think we know that almost for certain. Like, okay, so the rules were different down there, so I guess that's a, a dumb hypothetical, and you can just wipe that out of your brain. But the point is, like, they would not stand for the non-team-first elements of Kyrie's personality. The Knicks are a threat, but they've had, I mean, the same issues could have happened there that would have happened in Brooklyn. And it seems like New York is making a run at Jalen Brunson. And can you imagine Tibbs with Kyrie? That's a disaster waiting to happen. So then you move a little farther west. Mavs, I don't think they want to deal with it. They're trying to go for Jalen Brunson as well. They want to re-sign him. All these teams that have a lot of good going for them, up-and-coming teams, that's not fair to say about the Heat. They're not really up-and-coming, but theirs is a culture thing. Mavs are on the rise. They just, I mean, they might need just wait like one more year to have the salary cap space to go get Luka the right 
tandem partner, if that's what it takes, like why blow it all up for someone who might play half their home games for the next three or four years? The only place this makes any sense at all, and I say this with the greatest of fear in my heart, and also uh, just a deep, burning desire to see what sort of insanity might actually happen is Kyrie to the Lakers. It's the only thing that makes sense on the receiving team's side of all of these. If the Clippers are healthy, they don't need him. Clippers could win a championship with a healthy Paul George and a healthy Kawhi Leonard. They have a lot of other really good players on that team. They just can't get right. Bringing in another guy who's a huge health red flag or whatever you want to call it for missed games makes no sense at all. And the other note on all of this that's going through is that a lot of these teams that we you've, I've just talked about, and then others as well, they would rather go for Kevin Durant if he asks out post whatever this stuff is with Kyrie. Like, if Kyrie leaves, Durant's probably going to want to go. And then all of these teams are going to be like, okay, that's the guy we wanted. Yeah, Durant gets his Twitter fingers going and so forth, but he's out there. He, he wants to win. We've seen it. He cares about basketball. Maybe it's not like the only thing in his life, the way that, you know, those are, there are guys like that, that where it's the only thing. Like, it feels to me like that's like Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. Basketball is the only thing. There's nothing more important. I mean, this is a lot of regular season games. A lot of that is just, you know, he's getting older and there's mileage on the tires. There are guys out there where basketball is the only thing. KD's not that far off from that. He wants to win. And he's better. He's better. He's a better basketball player. He'd be a more impactful player to have on your team. Arguments can be made right now that KD is the most important player in the NBA. I don't know that that's cut and dry he's he's almost definitely inside the top four wherever you want to put him there every team that has any sort of asset would make a run at him why would they go for Kyrie if they know that the second the Kyrie thing as long as he ends up on some other team which it seems like it is right now most of these clubs would be wise to wait on KD the one that can't is again the Lakers and as much as putting Kyrie on almost any basketball team is a recipe for a dumpster fire. The Lakers were already a dumpster fire. I'm a Laker fan. I have no problem saying that. They were a wreck last year. They were hurt. They were bad. They didn't compete like two-thirds of the time. They didn't compete until they were down 25, and the opposing team was like, all right, we can throttle back on this loser bunch. And then they'd make their comeback, and most of the time it would come up short. Sometimes they got over the hump and everybody celebrated, but, I mean, that's a bad recipe. 48-minute basketball game. You don't want to fall behind by 20. It's better to be close or winning. Lakers are the one team out there that is in full bleep-it mode at this point because they got Russ's contract to deal with. They got LeBron at the end of his career. Anthony Davis is never healthy. They got nothing to lose. All their stars only play half the year right now anyway. Well, throw in another one. All you got to do is make the playoffs, which easier said than done based on this last year. But you put, I mean, you put Kyrie on that team in addition to instead of whatever on the Russ front. You know, I'd take 50 games out of Kyrie over 80 out of Russ. Sorry. Westbrook just isn't good anymore. 
the days of him setting a nice floor for a basketball team are long gone. But I don't think the Nets want him, so I have no idea how the machinations of this go. Uh, Joe Varden of The Athletic wrote that Kyrie's best path to like regaining NBA notoriety would be to opt out and go sign a mid-level, play one season for 6 or $7 million, and then ask for the big one which maybe that makes sense. And who knows with Kyrie? Like, for almost any player in the NBA, besides Kyrie Irving, I'd say not even a possibility. But dude walked away from, like, $20 million this last season for, again, the whatever cockamamie principle it was, but he did it. <laughs> by the way, if you're worried about being tracked by Jeff Bezos or whoever you think is tracking you with vaccines he knows where you are already homie he knows where you are already you're using a phone aren't you (laughs) how you listen to this podcast they know where you're at oh Kyrie, what a what a nutbag but still i don't know as a laker fan i'd like to see what happens i am very much the dude eating popcorn on the couch meme i think a lot of people would be who wouldn't want to watch Whatever the hell that would be. The LeBron-Kyrie reunion? But anyway, it's a long way from done. Lakers don't have assets. They have very few picks. They have very few interesting young players. So now it's stare-down time. Like, Nets, are you going to wait to see if you get the package you want from the right team? Are you going to force Kyrie to opt in to a, an option, which pretty much guarantees he wants to be gone, and then let him sort of ruin the clubhouse for a little bit, or do you just detonate it quickly, start over fast? Because even if they don't get a ton for Kyrie, they would get an absolute boatload for one of the best players on earth who does want to be on the court in KD. Can you even imagine? You could skip the rebuild. You could skip the rebuild with whatever you got from Kevin Durant. I mean, you'd get multiple good players and tons of picks. And they still have some half-decent players out there. I mean, they'd still probably be close to a 500 team, whatever they got back there. Anyway, we'll keep a close watch on that. Fantasy-wise, the only thing that it means right now is that Kyrie's in jeopardy of starting the season on a team. If he doesn't get moved, I don't know that he plays for the Nets. Do we think he actually suits up? I don't think he would. Brian Windhorst just said right as we're starting to record this podcast that the Nets are putting out there right now that they're prepared to lose both Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. I don't believe everything that I hear from Windhorst, but just said it. I think he said it on This Just In, whatever that, whatever show runs right about now. They're fielding offers, man. They're ready to try to blow it up and put it back together in a week. In any event. <laughs> what a day, what a day! Man, NBA's crazy. This is free agency week, people. Free agency's on Thursday. Freaking three days away. All this madness is going to have to happen in the next three days. I can't wait. But let's talk Golden State Warriors uh, because we blew up half of today's show talking about Kyrie Irving. Luckily, we get to talk about a team where there ain't a whole lot to wonder about. The Warriors were good. This year, they won the championship once they got Dre back. And I know he wasn't outstanding in the finals. He had a really good final game in the finals, but he's the thing that makes it tick for Golden State. And you saw that when he missed a bunch of time in the regular season. The Warriors 
went from being one of the top two or three teams in the NBA to being very middle of the pack. Even though they had all their scores, they didn't have their anchor. But then contractually, if you're looking at what this team might be next year, uh, you know, James Wiseman is a question mark. Could he actually be healthy enough to play? Jonathan Kaminga, could he get more run? I wouldn't really worry about it. Warriors, I think, want to bring back Kevon Looney at whatever that might cost them. Jordan Poole is on a very affordable deal right now. He'll be more expensive the following year. Um, and then everybody else is there. Steph, 48 mil. Clay, 40. Wiggins, $34 million. Draymond, $26 million this coming year. No large contracts came off the books for the Warriors. The only things that came off the books, Andre Godala is a free agent. Otto Porter Jr., a free agent. Nemanja Bjelica is a free agent. Gary Payton the second, Juan Toscano Anderson. These guys were all making $1 to $3 million, so it's not really doing anything, especially when you work in the raises for the key guys. That pretty much covers whatever came off the book. So they'll work around the edges, but it's going to be the same general formula, minus the fact that these dudes just won a championship, which you do have to factor into the mix. The championship hangover is a very real thing, especially as teams start to age a little bit. So you look at a Steph Curry, who was largely healthy this year until the very end, missed a few weeks towards the tail end of the season, but overall had a decent campaign. Clay came back halfway, ended up playing 32 of his 82 ball games at a top 60 clip, so not bad there from Clay. Steph was a mid first rounder. Jordan Poole was the big jump guy. He finished at 65. Although, yes, admittedly, his numbers did take a hit when Clay came back. Not that big of a hit because Clay kept missing ball games, and then Steph missed time, and then Dre missed time, and it all sort of led to that. Uh, Otto Porter Jr. finished at 114. Oddly enough, he was ahead of Andrew Wiggins, mostly uh, because of free throw percent. Wiggins was at number 125. And that's pretty much as far down the board as you need to worry with the Warriors. When I say worry, I suppose it's not that much. Steph is going to be a mid-first rounder next year. I'm fine with it. I wouldn't expect him to go as nuts during the regular season. They can throttle back a little bit for a playoff run next year. It's going to be, again, the championship hangover stuff. I don't know if Clay is ever going to be asked to play in back-to-backs again. There's a chance he might. You'll have to read the tea leaves a little bit. They might say, oh, yeah, you know, we'll try to get him into some back-to-backs. But I would assume he's still going to get, you know, 10 at least games off for just traditional rest this coming season. And so then you kind of work from that number towards anything else. Jordan Poole is going to want to put together another big season because the following year, I believe he becomes a restricted free agent. So that'll be kind of a big deal. Yeah. Qualifying offer year, something like that. Warriors will have to give him a pretty good pay raise. The only thing that uh, jumps out is, you know, a guy like Draymond Green, whose free throw percent was atrocious to begin the year, began to kind of work up the board a little bit. So he finished at 84, but a lot of that because was because his free throw was so terrible. The other stuff was relatively good. Question becomes, what Dre do you get next year? Do you get Draymond Green, who scales it back, for the playoffs, or do you get a Draymond who's focused during the regular season again? I'm of the opinion that the Warriors are probably a team you want to kind of lean away from a little bit this coming season. Not to say I wouldn't draft Warriors, but let's say Steph goes like 
Let's say his ADP is four. I'm not sure I take him at four. He has a chance to be the number one guy. Every year he has a chance to be that guy, and maybe his field goal percent comes back up from 44 to 47 or something like that this coming season. So that's a way that he could take a step forward. My fear with Steph is that I just don't think he has any real desire to play in every regular season game next year. And you guys know how strongly I feel when you take guys in the first round, they need to be guys that are going to want to play in 80 games. Maybe not all 82. But they want to try to get near 80. And I don't think Steph's going to want to get near 80. Not after the playoff run. Not after all the 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 extra mileage these guys put on their legs this last year. I'd be more inclined to look at some of the other guys on the Warriors. Andrew Wiggins. Contract year we saw how unreal he was during the playoffs. He could actually be better this coming season. Even though he, like the other Warriors, put a lot of extra miles on those tires, he might be the guy who's like, you know what, I do want to play through some stuff. I want to, I, I want to get my next contract and then I'm pretty much good. They got a lot of money on this one, mind you, but there's an opportunity for him to maybe goes out there and rebounds a little bit better like he did in the postseason. Or maybe he's gassed. I don't know. Still not a guy I'm targeting in Roto. You guys know I don't like, especially wings that hurt your free throw percent that much. If he was a center, it'd be kind of a different story, but he's mostly a scorer with some defensive stats at this point. That's more a head-to-head build, where you're like, okay, this guy might actually try to show some durability, maybe a bit more than his teammates. Draymond, I think you do see the slightly scaled-back version of Dray, so probably fewer steals and blocks, and therein lies most of his fantasy ability, but it is going to come down to his ADP, uh, he probably doesn't get drafted much earlier than 85 or 90, which at that point you're like, all right, like whatever starters minutes are coming to him. He's probably going to be dinged up a little bit cause he's older. He's not going to try that hard during the regular season, but he's a guy that because of his weird fantasy stat set, he can, even on a down year, he could still kind of walk into top 100 value. It's still attainable for him. So he's someone I would look at probably more on the roto side, believe it or not, than head-to-head. Clay, you got to size up the games played thing. I mean, if he's getting drafted at 75 to 100 range, yeah, he makes a lot of sense in roto leagues. I don't think you can take him in head-to-head. And then Jordan Poole, he might be a guy who gets overdrafted a little bit based on this last big season. Generally pretty huge playoffs, minus the finals. One or two good games in the finals, but overall his giant playoff Performance came before that. And he was top 65 this year, while, again, Clay missed 50 games. Poole only missed six. Steph missed 18, and there wasn't a lot of overlap there. There were some back-to-backs in there where Clay sat him out and Steph was already hurt. But for the most part, Poole had, you know, of his 76 games, he had like 60 of them where he was the number two scorer on the team behind either Steph or Clay, and jumping in front of Andrew Wiggins on a night-to-night basis. And that probably happens again to some degree, but Clay's going to be there for most of the season instead of just kind of starting halfway and slowly ramping up. So Jordan Poole, I think, I don't know that you can say step backwards this coming season, but I don't see a big step forward 
unless something wild happens, like Wiggins gets moved or hurt for the year or Steph or Claire, something like a big injury or surprising trade, I think would have to come down the pike for me to get in on the Jordan Poole thing next year. Which makes the Warriors kind of a specialist appeal type of team from a fantasy standpoint. Steph, eh, I love Steph. I love his fantasy game, but I'm a little worried about the durability as a first rounder next year, unless he falls to the middle of the first round. Then I'm okay with it. Clay, give it a look in Roto, but let's see where he gets drafted. Poole, probably neither. More inclined to go head-to-head because I think he's going to try to do the contract year thing. So he's going to play hard. He's going to play through stuff, but he's going to be a little gassed, and there's going to be a lot of guys in front of him in the pecking order that, I mean, I might have been in front, but, you know, equal, that weren't there for all of last year. Draymond has a shot to be interesting on Roto's side, and Wiggins has a shot to be interesting on the head-to-head side. And then we'll, we'll see what else shakes out with Golden State. Uh, I'm not big on Jonathan Kaminga as a guy you want to draft, even if he's like magically the starting center on that team. I think they'll bring someone else in, even if it's not bringing back Yvonne Looney. I, I, maybe it's Wiseman, but I'm not going down that path either. I think I need to see him actually set foot on a basketball court before I buy into it at all. And that's your Monday edition of Fantasy NBA Today. Back into the team breakdowns. We only have a few left, though. Uh, The Heat, tomorrow, unless anything insane happens on the news front. Uh, Grizzlies, Wednesday. Free agency Thursday, probably. I don't think we'll do a team breakdown. We might do the Suns Friday, or it might be more free agency stuff. Then we'll do the Suns, and then we'll start kind of rehashing some of this stuff. And we can start to to bucket guys out a little bit as free agency begins. That's kind of fun. The reintroduction. Reintroduction? Nope. We're going to leave that in cause, so you guys can see that I'm sleep-deprived. The reintroduction of the buckets. Also, we still have to do a little breakdown on how ADPs fared last year so we can get a feel for maybe, it's not always accurate, but maybe where No Man's Land really begins. That's the best thing to take away from our multi-day. It's generally an X-rank or pre-rank, but as we talked about, Yahoo changed those. So, ass up a creek. That's where we're at on that one. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Thank you to all my guests from last week. Another time. Uh, Rhett, David, William. Awesome, awesome stuff. Getting to talk about the Rooks a little bit. Surprising, I know. We don't usually do that on the show. I'm Dan Baspris for Fantasy NBA Today. Rumors are flying. I love it. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.